0: Hey Tears, thanks again for stopping by. If you're new to the channel, my name is Riley and I'm a former Jehovah's Witness. Today, I have two guests on the channel, which is a first. Um, They are called uh, Jessica Valencia and Alyssa Riley, Um, and they have a really interesting story to tell. So, Jessica and Valencia, hi to you both. How are you both doing?
1: I'm good, how are you?
0: Great, thank you. And how are you, Alyssa?
2: I'm doing great ready to get this out there
0: excellent excellent so um Jessica if you could start first please how how did you become a Jehovah's Witness
1: um so my parents were actually in the military when they met and we at some point were stationed in New Jersey and I don't really remember this my memory doesn't go quite this far I remember like bits and pieces um but we were in New Jersey and my mom started studying with some witnesses that knocked on the door And she got really, really close to them, but my dad was really opposed to it. Like, he wanted nothing to do with it. He had family who were actually Jehovah's Witnesses, and he hated it. He hated the idea of it and everything that they were doing. So my mom would study with the Witnesses, and he would – I remember them telling me the story. I don't remember him doing it, but I remember them saying that he would, like, just blast music, put on MTV, and was just, like, making it very clear that he was opposed to it. Mm -hmm. Um, So my mom wasn't in the military anymore at this point, but he still was. And I remember what kind of like made the shift for him was he would had to go to Hawaii for a little bit, uh, like he was deployed there for a while. And my mom had a daycare where, so that she could take care of me and my brother and then obviously all the other kids. And we all three got chicken pox at the same time, which is crazy, oh, but nice. she couldn't take care of any of the kids anymore. So she wasn't working and she was just taking care of us and she was doing it by herself. So the story goes that my dad asked if he could come back to take care of us and they the marines like they were kept saying no they're not going to do it so he's like well can you at least send somebody to help take care of them and they said that they would but they apparently never did and the only people that would help us were the jehovah's witnesses that my mom was studying with so they would get like groceries for us they would check up on us and make sure that we were good and everything like that and that is what supposedly softened my dad's heart when it came To what had happened and he saw what we were struggling with and he started to study. So eventually uh, he wanted to get baptized and he wanted to move to Texas because that's where he's from and that's where he had family that were Jehovah's Witnesses and I was about, I want to say I was four when we moved to Denton, Texas and shortly thereafter is when my parents uh, both got baptized and that's about as far back as my memory goes. So um, that's that's how my parents got introduced to it.
0: Right. I see. Thank you. Um, that's quite a common thing that I've that I've heard. People often first start associating with the witnesses at a vulnerable time in their life, uh, either you know difficult life circumstances or after suffering suffering a bereavement, and that seems to be like a, a prime time <laughs> for uh, witnesses to to really hone in on someone and make themselves you know implant themselves into their lives. Thank you. And what about yourself, Alyssa?
2: I was born and raised. Um, my parents became Jehovah's Witness, man, like maybe seven years before I was actually born. I've heard a lot of rumors about how they became Jehovah's Witnesses. My parents never really confirmed. But supposedly my dad was a drug dealer at the time, druggie. Yeah. And he also was very opposed to being jehovah's witness my mom actually answered the door and we were in denton texas and she just wanted friendship she wanted somebody to come in and because she was a stay-at-home mom she wanted someone to come in and visit with her so she started talking to him and my dad was very opposed to him he used to send my older sister to the door (laughs) when she was like two years old to the door and say no mommy's not here daddy's not here and they're like so what's a two-year-old doing home alone (laughs) but then I don't know what changed in my dad's heart, but they started studying and they became very strong. They were very established witnesses whenever I was born. So I was just born and raised and my dad has always been the elder. My mom has always been the pioneer. And that was just my life. I I had to go down that path or else I wasn't accepted.
0: Right, thank you. And as I understand, uh, both of you were actually friends as, as children, is that correct?
2: Yes, our parents, our parents were close friends. Actually, our moms were very close to each other. So me and Jessica were always around each other.
1: And, and, you, would...
0: grew the, and you grew up in the same congregation?
1: Yes. She okay. was like kind of one of my babysitters and my parents felt like her parents were like their spiritual mother and father. That's what they've always called them.
0: Right, I see, I understand, okay. So, oh, um, what was your life like growing up as a witness? I mean, did did you um, enjoy it? Did you um, have any particular struggles or challenges?
2: I I enjoyed it when I was younger because I didn't really know any better and it was just, oh, this is all my extended family. We had brothers, we had sisters, we had second parents. We, it, it was just our life and... I was homeschooled from about fourth grade on because my parents really wanted to make sure that I was fully indoctrinated (laughs) and they wanted to make sure that the outside world didn't have any influence on me. And I really struggled with being in public school because, oh, I can't eat a cupcake because I'm not celebrating your birthday and I can't do that because of my religion. And so I struggled with that and it started really wearing on me in my preteens and then Struggled with depression throughout my teenage years, struggled with, I was supposedly a strong witness because I was the pioneer. I gave talks. I gave, I did a talk at an assembly. I got baptized at 10 years old. And then in my teen years, all of a sudden, I didn't want to do that anymore. And I started pulling back and then I became the bad apple. That's what Jessica's dad called me, was the bad apple. And, And you're so terrible and you're a horrible influence on all these children and and everybody started pulling away from me and stopped letting their kids hang out with me, stopped letting me go to their houses for the meetings. And it just, it it became really tough in my teen years.
0: Wow. That's, that's incredible. Um, So you were baptized at 10 years old. That, that you're officially the, the youngest person to get baptized that I know personally.
2: I was actually just turned 10. It was a week Before my 10th birthday. So I was actually nine. So yeah, nine, 10 years. I was really young, (laughs) really, really young. And my parents were just beaming with pride. They just loved that they had the youngest person at the assembly to get baptized.
0: Wow. That's incredible. And and what about you, Jessica? What was your life like as a witness child?
1: Um, I was actually, I kind of embraced it when I was a kid. And that was, Like Alyssa said, that was just the only thing that I knew. I never, when I was younger, younger, it didn't bother me that we couldn't celebrate any of the things that (laughs) that all the other kids were celebrating. I remember being in elementary school. And if we knew that there was going to be like a Christmas party or a birthday party or something, my parents would pull me out of school. And they would take me and my, or yeah, take me. And sometimes it's like, if it was Christmas and my brother was doing it too, they would take us bowling or something. So I'd come back and I'd brag about how I went bowling. And, and cause they were like, oh, but you're not missing out on anything. You're, you're still having fun. Look at what we're taking you to do. You're not even in school. And I'm like, I mean, technically I know I'm not in school but they were having a party with all these kids. But I think, I think it was like that when I was in elementary school my brother was a little bit different. I think he always felt like he missed out. But as I got a little bit older, I think that there were certain things that really bugged me. And it would like, things would slowly start to bug me. Um, For instance, I remember, I remember talking about some kids at school. And I remember saying, Oh, yeah, my friend, so and so said this. And before I could even finish my story, I'd be immediately interrupted, not your friend, your acquaintance. And that's how it always was. And I remember being really mad about that even kind of at a younger age. I may have been in middle school at this point and I was just like, they're they're my friend. They're my friend. And um, as I got older and older, I think I got baptized. Yes. So I got baptized when I was 12 and my brother got baptized at the same time as me. And for him, I think it was more of a pressure thing because I really wanted to be this perfect Jehovah witness. And I was excited about getting baptized. I was excited to start pioneering when I could and doing all these things. And he he just felt like the pressure of it. Um, and so he got baptized when he was, I think he was about 11 cause he's a year and a half younger than me. So um, after I got baptized, everything, I felt like I was going to do all of these things too. Cause I would join my mom in service like at six o'clock in the morning. And I was really, I thought it was really, really cool that I could do that. Um, but then when I got to high school, cause I was in public school, my entire, everything. And by the time I got to high school, I started dealing with um, a lot more personal things. There's a lot of things that I'm not quite ready to talk about yet, but there were things that happened in my life that were really, really traumatic and that um, caused like depression and I was suicidal for a while. And I remember, I actually remember vividly one moment where I didn't know what self-harm was. I didn't know anything about it. And I, I think it's very, very weird that, the about a week after the most traumatic thing in my life happened to me i saw an article in i think it was the awake magazine about kids who do self harm and i immediately started doing it and that I mean, that just goes to show right there like this is not a religion that is guided by god or a higher power or anything like that like that i was led to do something that i didn't know of that made me feel better because i was so depressed um, and then after that point, so I was like 15 at that point and I started to slowly pull away and I noticed that, um, I wasn't as interested in it, in it anymore. And, um, when I was 17, I ran away from home and because I was threatened by another sister who found out that I was flirting and I kind of had a boyfriend at school my senior year and she found out and she threatened to tell the elders. So I ran away from home and that's how I left.
0: Thank you. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear about, you know, the, the traumatic things that you experienced as well. What about you, um, Alyssa? How did it all go wrong for you?
2: Um, It started going wrong very, very young. <laughs> uh, I tried to, I tried to find where I fit in and I never felt a closeness to God. I never felt that I was actually praying to anything like I didn't have that relationship with Jehovah like everybody else does and I had some confused times when I was younger I, from as young as gosh like 5 or 6 years old I was attracted to women and men and I I was very confused by it and I was I was told that that's wrong and that's dirty and that you can't do that and that's sinful and that Jehovah's going to look down on you so i tried to suppress that as much as possible but then whenever i actually tried to show interest in boys all of a sudden oh no yet yeah, that's wrong and that's sinful too and i was like well who am i supposed to like who am i supposed to connect with because i'm not connecting with god i'm not connecting with my parents i was never close to my parents and i i too started self-harming at a very very young age i was 13 um very suicidal, very depressed. I my mom put me in all the on the, all these pills and told me that I had problems and told me that, you know, Jehovah was going to watch after me. Well, Jehovah was not watching after me. Jehovah's not there. And I felt more and more alone the more I realized I'm going through this hard time and Jehovah's not pulling me out of it. And what's wrong with me? Why did he choose me to be this way? Why did he choose me to feel so deeply alone. And that's when I really started pulling away from Jehovah. And I started questioning it. And, you know, my dad's an elder, so it was always, you can't question the religion. Here's the Bible, go read it again. And here's the scriptures. And I had shepherding calls and all of my friends' parents were elders. And they kept telling me, (laughs) I specifically remember my dad, Jessica, telling me, you have to be a good example for little Jessica. (laughs) And I was like, but I don't know how to be a good example if this doesn't feel like my genuine self. And I started having very suicidal thoughts, and I didn't want, I didn't feel that that was God's love to feel that way. So when I really started pulling away, I started drinking and partying and sneaking out, and you know, my parents apparently were oblivious to it, but I snuck out every night and went to parties and I came home drunk every night. I've been to the meetings drunk. I went to the meetings stoned. I went to the meetings just feeling any way that I possibly could feel because I hated being there and I hated feeling like I was such an outcast. And then at 17, I finally lost my virginity and felt bad about it. I left a letter on the fridge confessing to my parents that I had lost my virginity and that I loved the guy that I lost my virginity to and I couldn't leave him and I didn't want to and I didn't want to let him go he was worldly but he made me feel welcomed and made me feel that I wasn't so empty and my dad told me that if I couldn't let him go then I was no longer welcome in the house and at 17 I got kicked out of the house and then I moved in with him and then my parents my dad turned me into the elders and told them that, that I had fornicated and was sinful and I wasn't remorseful and I, I ran away with him and I think it was like eight months later that I got a letter they somehow found me and they sent me a letter that I had been disfellowshipped for pornea And I was like, well, okay, cool. And then when me and him broke up, it was just because I was so broken. I, you know, I didn't have any parents. I didn't have any family. Everybody that I ever knew vanished from my life. My entire, all my friends, all my family, everyone I had grown up with just vanished. No longer with me. So even though I really did like the guy, it wasn't going to work out because you have that hole in that emptiness. So I called my dad and this, I was almost 19 at this point. And I said, you know, I want to come home. And he says, well, you know, you, you really made your sister mad. And I have two sisters and the one he's talking about specifically is my sister, Sarah. And, um, she didn't like me. She made my life a living hell. But she, he said I had to ask her permission to come home. So I asked her permission to come home. And she says, well, I guess so. So I went home and I tried to get reinstated. And I wrote all my letters and served my time. And for anyone who doesn't know the reinstatement process, it sucks. You have to arrive in our congregation specifically. You have to arrive after the, the first prayer and first song. You can either sit with your family or you sit in the very back but you can't just sit by yourself um, and then you can't comment you can't participate you can't sing you can't do anything and then you have to leave before it ends and then you sit in the parking lot waiting for your elder dad to get done with his 11 p.m meeting to come out and take you home and people look at you like you're a leper like there, people aren't allowed to look at you in the eyes people aren't allowed to acknowledge your presence. And I remember I was in the bathroom one time and I'm not going to name her because I haven't asked her permission but she was another sister and she looked at me and she goes I'm so so happy to see you. And I broke down crying because it was the first time someone had spoken to me in 6 months. It was <laughs> sorry. Okay. That's you okay. weren't allowed to talk to anyone. You weren't allowed to talk to to worldly to to Jehovah's Witnesses. It was six months of silence. And I did that for like, what, a year, Jessica? (laughs) Trying to go back and I just kept getting told, no, 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 we're not gonna reinstate you. And it was, it was hell. I I hated it. I absolutely hated it.
0: I'm so sorry that you had to go through all of that. So so while all all of this was happening, was this before or after you left home, Jessica?
1: Um, this was, I was still home when she was going, you're talking about when she was going through her reinstatement. She was yeah. still home. And I remember, I do remember it all my, when she was trying to get reinstated, my dad was on her judicial committee, and I don't really know what was happening within all of that. Um, uh, I'm sure she can tell you more about that. But I do remember seeing her come to the meetings, like, on point Every single time I saw her just like doing exactly what she needed to do, looked super repentful. I remember, I actually specifically remember she was near me at a convention and you know, the conventions are huge, they're massive. And I remember she was like near me and I just watched her and I remember wanting to like smile at her or whatever, but I I wasn't supposed to. And I like looking at my parents, like, okay, I can't look at her, like, I'll get in trouble. It was just, it was. Horrible, horrible. And I, I didn't even know, like, I was like, what could she, I remember thinking, what could she have possibly done? Like, what could she have done? I know she's good. It, I felt so bad. I always, I always felt so bad for anybody who got this fellowship, not because like they did something sinful, but because of the way other people would look at them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it it really, really is terrible. I mean, I'm I'm disfellowshipped myself, but I never tried to work towards reinstatement. Um, So I don't know what it's like. I can't speak from a personal perspective on that. But I can just imagine how awful it must be because you're trying to show the elders that you're repentant. So you're limiting your contact with worldly people. But then at the same time, you don't have contact with anyone in the congregation either. So it must be so isolating so lonely I, I you know I, I'm, I'm really sorry that that you went through that so are, are you disfellowships Jessica
1: I am um and I didn't even know I was going to be it was weird I so I ran away from home and it was like a week before my graduation and the cops everybody was looking for me the cops were looking for me and stuff and because I was like two months away from being 18 they told my parents that it was kind of like this gray area where they they couldn't like force me to come home. It was really just up to me, um, and so I think they tried to get a hold of me somehow. They I ended up going to my graduation, and those beautiful, loving Jehovah's Witnesses that converted my parents. And don't get me wrong, like they're not bad people. I I, I do think that they're really great, and I they were like our closest family friends my whole life growing up. We'd visit them every year in New Jersey, and they'd come visit us. Um, I have nothing against them necessarily, but like they kind of ruined my graduation. First of all, they showed up to me walking the stage and in front of like everybody in the stadium, they come all the way to the bottom right as I walk off the stage and they're trying to get my attention. They're like looking at me with these disapproving faces and embarrassing me. And I'm looking around and I'm just like acting like they're not there. And I, I keep on walking. Um, That was just, my parents had promised that they weren't going to try to get contact me, but they brought them, (laughs) <laughs> to try to talk to me and I, I I ran away from that all right yeah so after I ran away I ended up living with my boyfriend at the time and my parents I think that they assumed that I like didn't do anything with him really um and then they convinced me to go to Hawaii with them for uh like as that was supposed to be my graduation present so I was 18 i went to hawaii with them but they had all these rules like i couldn't talk to him i couldn't bring my phone i couldn't do anything like if i i I almost said no i was like i don't want to do that i got away from you guys for a reason and um but i agreed i ended up agreeing well when we came back my dad was like you need to tell me the truth did you do anything with him And, and all this stuff and i was like yeah yes i i did i lost my virginity and so um, I don't know what he told the elders, but I think that he felt guilty. He ended up, it was like nine o'clock at night and he takes me and he drops me off. Like he couldn't drop me off at his house because that was inappropriate. So he drops me off like on the side of the road near his house and I, I, have, I had to call him to come get me. So I'm just like at night walking this road waiting for him, <laughs> weird, but um. Eventually, I think they had tried to get the some of the brothers to come and some of the elders to come and talk to me and try to like get me to come back and all this stuff. Well, eventually, they I guess they found out about it. And um, I, I someone, t- I think, I don't know if they told me or what, but I was told that it was announced at the meeting that I was no longer one of Jehovah's Witnesses. And I was like, well, nobody told me. I didn't get a letter. I didn't get like... Any confirmation of anything at least not that i can remember of um and so after that i mean nobody really tried to contact me again and i had no desire to go back so
0: oh, are you still in contact with your parents now or are they they completely shunning you
1: um it's weird actually my parents are completely different people so uh, while i i wasn't a fan of the religion i still believed in the religion after i left but the them not talking to me because they they stopped talking to me for a long time. Um, I I didn't mind it. I, I didn't really want to be in contact with them anymore. And a lot of stuff happened afterwards that I have I have three daughters and my oldest one. It's a long story, but my oldest one actually lives with them, which makes me really, really upset because she's growing up as a Jehovah's witness. And uh, there's there's a lot that we're processing with all of this. Um, they have joint custody with me but um, I think at first they were talking to me just because of her. So I would go to their house and they would let me spend time with her, but they would be in another room. Slowly as time went on, um, slowly as time went on, they started talking to me a little bit more each time. And then I think something happened with my dad where he had some health issues or something. And and I don't really know like the whole story, but. Um, I know he got really really sick and I think ever since then he like had a change of heart and he completely changed like in general and ever since then I mean they talked to me and my brother pretty often and I feel although like because of a lot of the trauma that I've experienced growing up I still don't feel 100% comfortable with them I am a lot closer to my mom and I still I I have like good conversations with my dad and they don't really they rarely, rarely try to talk to me about their religion. So I think I'm one of the lucky few whose parents did end up talking to them. It took like 10 years, but yeah, they, they talk to me now.
0: Well, I, I am pleased to hear that, that, you know, that you are still in contact with them, you know, if only so that you can have a relationship with your eldest daughter. I mean, yeah, you, you, you are one of the lucky few that that are not being shunned by their parents. So I am pleased for you about, about that. What, what about you, Alyssa? Are, are you still in contact with your witness family?
2: No, um, I'm not. Uh, my sister Sarah and I, so to give kind of clarification of why I left, completely, finally was done. Um, my sister Sarah had a boyfriend that was a Jehovah's Witness, and he was sneaking into the house at night, sleeping in her bed and her bedroom was right above the parents' room. So I knew about it and I was like, whatever, I'm, I'm not a snitch. I'm not going to tell whatever. Um, she ended up starting to gain weight. She was a size double zero my entire life. And all of a sudden she's got a little pooch growing down there. So me and my other sister, Bree, my other sister, Brie, she was slowly fading in and out. Like, She's never been disfellowshipped, but now she's completely out. But we were like, she's pregnant. And my parents were, no, she's not. She is. She's pregnant. Next thing we know, Sarah's got a wedding planned three months from now. And then all of a sudden it jumps up to one month from now. And (laughs) we, we knew that she was pregnant, but she hid it from the entire congregation. And it was probably like the entire congregation attended her wedding. I was not invited. Uh, My grandma was very mad about that. My grandma's worldly. She's not a Jehovah's Witness, but she was there and she's like, why isn't your sister here? And Sarah said, because it'd be inappropriate to have a disfellowship person at my wedding. And my grandma sat there like pretty much pouting the whole time, like, "Mm -mm, I'm not gonna have fun. (laughs) So my grandma was mad and I was like, whatever, I'm not close to my sister, Sarah, I don't care. Well, then like a week or so after her wedding, she finally came clean. So let me paint the picture for you here. We're in the back rooms and Jessica knows the back rooms that I'm talking about, the ones that conjoined.
0: Sorry to interject. So this is the same sister, Sarah, whose permission you had to ask to come back home. Yes. The same one that was mad at you for leaving. Yes. Wow.
2: Even though she was sneaking out with me to these parties and she was having sex at these parties and she was doing drinking at these parties, but I felt bad and confessed and didn't take her down with me. Let's make that clear. Uh, (laughs) Really. So I'm in the very back room with Jessica's dad. And I think Glenn and Garrett, I can't even remember who else was in there. And I had written another letter trying to be reinstated. And I was bawling my eyes out and I was telling them, I just can't do this anymore. They, the Sunday meeting, I brought a knife in my purse to the meeting because I wanted my blood on their carpet. I wanted to die. And I was going to do it during prayer. And I wanted them all to look up from the prayer and see, oh my God, we caused this. I wanted my blood on their hands because I hated life. I hated living that way. I was so undeniably lonely because I hadn't I didn't have anyone, I wasn't allowed to have anyone. I was 19 years old and I wasn't allowed to have friends. And my parents only talked to me if it was business matters. I wasn't allowed at the dinner table with them. I wasn't allowed to speak in the car on the way to the meetings. So, I was sitting there and I was about to pull the knife out out of my purse and I said, Who are these people to you? They don't care about you. So I kind of was like, do I want to even continue like this? So that was Sunday. Fast forward to Tuesday night when I'm talking to the elders in that back room. My sister Sarah is confessing in the next room. I can hear her confession. Yeah, I had sex before marriage. Yeah, I got pregnant before marriage. Yeah, I hid it from all of you. They gave her a slap on the wrist. I'm just fellowshipped because I felt bad and confessed. This twat over here (laughs) just confessed and they put her on public reproof. So that's why I left. So that was when I was 19 Haven't spoken to my sister, Sarah, since that day, since that night. Um, The next meeting that we were supposed to be getting ready for, my dad came up and he was like, are you getting ready for it? And I said, no, I'm not doing this anymore. I can't. And he says, then you're going to get out of the house. So being kicked out again. Um, The last time, let's see, I... Moved to Alabama, and I was living on my own, and then I lived with a friend, and I kind of moved all over the place, but I think I still kind of kept in contact. But then I got engaged, and I called my dad, and I told him that I had gotten engaged, and he says, well, I guess that's better than living in sin. And that was the last time I spoke to him. And the last time I talked to my mom, I had just gotten married and you know, we weren't talking really before this, but I was 21 and I had gotten married and I needed my transcripts from high school because I was gonna apply to college. And she was like, you barely passed high school. How are you gonna pass college? And that was the last time I spoke to really her. And then I, my dad had some heart problems and my sister Bree still talked to them. She's the oldest. And I'm a nurse now, Hmm. past college. I'm a nurse.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That was going to be my next question. (laughs) Well done. Well done for passing college.
2: 3.44 GPA.
0: I'm from the UK, so I don't know what that means, but I'm sure it's very good.
2: (laughs) Out of a 4.0, that's high. (laughs) Um, Well done. But I'm a nurse now, and when my dad started having heart problems, I told my sister Brie, I said, if they need to ask me clarification or anything, they can can text me and ask me, you know, because I was a cardiac nurse. I'm a heart nurse. So I knew what was going on, and they never acknowledged that. Anyways, I woke up from a text from my sister saying, Dad died today.
0: Oh, I'm so, so sorry to hear that.
2: Yeah. Um, and I, at first I was like, okay, whatever. And I went to work and I was an operating room nurse at this time. So I'm changing into my scrubs and I'm clocking in. And one of my friends came up to me and she goes, morning, babe. And I just broke down and she goes, oh, <laughs> what's wrong? And I was like, my dad died. And she goes, why are you here? I said, because I'm not, i not close to my dad. I haven't talked to my dad since I was 21, 19. I, like, <laughs> here I am 33. And I didn't care, but I realized very quickly that, oh, now I don't ever have that opportunity ever again to talk to him. And... He's never going to know my children, and he's never going to know me. and you I, I grieved and I mourned for the dad I should have had, not the dad that I had, because I didn't know him.
0: Um, and, I'm, <laughs> I'm so incredibly sorry for your loss.
2: Get this: I was left out of his obituary. <laughs> You can look up his obituary online and my name's not in it.
0: Wow. So it's like you never existed in as far as he's concerned.
2: Yeah, That's pretty so
0: much. Terrible. That is so terrible. I'm so sorry. You, you really, both of you, you've really been through it. You really have. So while, while all of this was going on, were you still in contact with each other?
1: You know, I don't know how or when. Wait, are you talking t- t- about me and Alyssa?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, I was actually going to ask her, and I totally forgot to before we did this. But um, it was—it took a few years for us to contact each other. I, I want to say that one of us found each other on Facebook. Do you remember?
2: Yeah, I think I found you on Facebook because you became friends with Bree. I think so. <laughs> And then I saw you and I was like, oh my God, sweet little innocent Jessica. <laughs> she has a baby. She has tattoos. She has piercings. <laughs> what happened? And then I was like, wait, hold on. <laughs> I've got tattoos and piercings. <laughs> so I messaged you back and I was like, what happened?
1: I think I remember that. When, uh, do you remember when that was? I I do know that, um, we have been friends with each other for several years, though, right? Um, I think I think I had Jocelyn when you first found me. Just Jocelyn, my middle one.
2: I think you were pregnant with her when, when we found each other.
1: That sounds right. Yeah. That sounds right. Um, but, yeah, so I remember her posting on Facebook about her dad. And then my dad actually texted me and my brother both. And he said, just to let you guys know, Brother do. Had a heart attack and he died and then she posted what she, like what she was saying um, on Facebook about uh, her dad and stuff and I I asked my dad I was like did you know that about them not telling Alyssa did you know that she was left out of the obituary and things like that and I, I didn't talk to my dad for a while after this but he was like well have you heard the way she talks about the witnesses and I was like you got to be kidding me. It was like, what? first of all, what does that have to do with anything? And so, I mean, at, at this point with me doing this, I don't really know how my parents are going to react. I don't know if, cause I think my brother has always been much more open about um, that he's never coming back. I mean, my brother has just tried to do anything and everything um, he can that's worldly or whatever. Um, and I have, I was never really as open up until about a few months ago is when I started kind of talking about it more. Like if I, I used to just talk about like, Oh yeah, I grew up to witness. I, I couldn't celebrate birthdays. till a few years ago. Like I, I was really like passive about it. Um, and so I think like my parents would bring stuff up about the religion and I would just be like, Oh, okay, well, I don't want to talk about it. Like I, I just kind of brush it over. Like, I don't want to talk about it, but I think that they've always just kind of anticipated that I'd eventually come back. They're constantly asking me when I'm getting married because I've been with um, uh, me and his dad for several years now. And they're just like, just like, well, you know, you can't do this or like, you know, trying to be real cautious with Ava because we're not married and, and all this stuff. And it's, it's so aggravating. I will say that like my parents just, and I disagree on a lot of stuff, like as far as parenting goes, I, so I, I threw Ava a birthday party when you're just, just because I was like, I'm going to throw my daughter a birthday party what's wrong with that, right? This was a few years ago. And um, this makes me so mad. But I just found out three or four months ago, I didn't know she said this, but my mother-in-law told me that like after we all wished her happy birthday, sung her happy birthday, she like turned to my mother-in-law and she was like, Jehovah's mad at me. And I was just like, why didn't you tell me she said that? Like I'm angry. I'm mad. Like, that's not okay. I mean, she's at that time, I think she was, I think she was eight, nine, something like that. Um, but I just, I don't want her thinking things like that. And now, and now that I'm like, I think that now that I'm kind of introducing myself to, to other people's stories and and hearing like, you know, I watched like YouTube videos and stuff where, cause I haven't seen anything Jehovah witness related, in so long, unless like they leave them at my door, which they haven't since COVID, but uh, I haven't at all. And now that I'm seeing it, I'm like, I don't understand how I could have ever believed something like this, how I could have ever just fallen in line with it and, and thought, wow, how beautiful, how true. Yes, Jehovah, this, the, the. like, I, I'm blown away that I ever believed it. And I'm like, and it's just been bugging me so much lately. Like it's, don't want my oldest daughter growing up in that. Uh, and so, I mean, her and I have had talks and stuff. And I think that my parents try to be real cautious because they know that, that her and I talk about different things, but, and then, I mean, she sees the way my, my, her other two sisters live. And, and, and I, I, I have a lot of hope for the future for sure. I, I don't think that, um, it's going to turn out badly or anything. She has, I've talked to her about like at, right now she's about to be 12 and she has no interest in getting baptized. She's not, trying to do the things that I was trying to do at 12 years old. So that, me some, that does make me feel a lot better. Um, I don't think that my parents put the pressure on her that they did when I was younger. So yeah, but it it's tough.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's really tough. So you, you it's obvious you, you no longer believe that, that Jehovah's Witnesses have the truth. Um, at what point in your life did you come to that realization?
1: um i don't know if there was anything like specific that happened i i I think it was like a gradual like Mm -hmm. that doesn't make sense that doesn't make sense that doesn't make sense um but i will say that one time so Jocelyn's dad um Mm -hmm. i remember he he kind of really tried to you know he knew that i wasn't talking to my parents at this point i still wasn't talking to them um i you know this is the time where they would let me spend time with ava but they were kind of just doing their own thing um, in the house. And he, he I think he was trying to kind of like make things better in that sense um, for us. And so he agreed to go to one of the meetings. I think my parents invited him. So he agreed to go to one of the meetings. And at this point I had, I, I think I had been to like one Mormon church cause I got invited one time and I, I just, I didn't really think anything of it. Um, and But I had never been to anything like outside of, you know, Joe, the congregation and stuff, the kingdom hall. And, um, he went to the kingdom hall with us and he had his first ever anxiety attack in his life. And he didn't know what was happening, but to him, he said that it felt like he was listening to everything. And he was just like, this is just so weird. And the whole time he was in there, he felt like something was trying to pull him out. Like he felt like He was like, there's just evil in here and something was trying to get me out of this evil. And so we left and he was just like, we're never going back there again. And I was like, okay, I'm curious about this. Um, And then I think he took me to one of, to just like a, a, I don't know. I don't remember what kind of church it was, but he took me to a church. And I remember walking in and thinking, oh my God, I'm going to die right here and there. Jehovah's going like, cause I still you know, I was like, this is so bad for me to do. I was like, Jehovah's going to kill me on the spot. Like, this is it. He's going to be so furious with me. Like, "Like, how dare I do something like this? And I remember thinking like this, I mean, this is nothing like Jehovah's Witnesses, like uh, uh, whatever Jehovah's Witnesses do in at the kingdom halls and stuff. Like, this is nothing like I thought it was going to be. This, nothing bad happened. Um, and so I, I got more curious about like, um, the Bible and things like that and the accuracy of everything. So I, I started to look stuff up, but I think I was still kind of afraid to, I was still kind of afraid to question it. Um, and then, uh, I started having conversations with other people like atheists, other like, uh, people in different religions, whether it's Christian or non-Christian and, and seeing, um, a lot of different things. And eventually when the Scientology um, Docu series came out, and they had that episode about Jehovah's Witnesses. That's when I found um, like the Lloyd Evans channel, and I started looking at that and stuff. and And that's when I was just like, "All right, I can't." That's when it kind of hit me, like how it's it was more than just like the restrictions. That was a good reason for me to leave. It's also that it's completely bogus. Yeah,
0: absolutely, absolutely. And what about um, yourself, Alyssa? When did you start to realize that Jehovah's Witnesses didn't have the truth?
2: So I started realizing it during my reinstatement process uh, when some secrets started coming out about the elders and they started showing their true faces. Uh, Jessica's dad, for one, Like I said, he pretty much forced his way on my judicial committee and was like, yeah, I want on her committee. And he told me that he had no intentions of ever letting me back in, that you're just doesn't matter what you do. You're not welcome back. And I I got that from all the rest of them. They all said, well, how long were you gone? And I was like, I don't I don't know. I didn't count the time. It was over a year. And they said, well, you've only served nine months. So why would we let you back? That's not enough time. We don't feel that you're truly sorry. Jehovah's little angel is sitting on my shoulder and telling me that you're not truly sorry. I was bawling my eyes out, trying to do everything they asked me to, and it still wasn't good enough. So that's when I finally started being like, okay, y'all suck. And then the night that my sister was literally a door away from me. Confessing the same sin, except she took it a step further and forced everybody to go to her wedding, her Jehovah's Witness wedding. And they gave her a slap on the wrist. And I was like, How is that justice? How is that fair? How is that coming from Jehovah, a God? You know, and that's when I was like, Well, (laughs) this is fun. (laughs) You guys are lying to me and you guys are just making it up as you go. Well, then I started talking to um, some other disfellowship people and I found out some very horrible things about these elders. Uh, For one, somebody confessed to masturbation and they said, yes, I know it's wrong, but it's better than, I guess, fornication. And he had the nerve to ask this woman, do you think of me when you do it?
0: You're yeah. kidding. No. Wow. An elder
2: an elder, asking a woman, do you think of me when you masturbate?
0: And so there was an elder he, in
2: our congregation, Jessica.
0: Did he ask her this during some kind of like judicial committee or something? Or was it just like a, a, a private chat? Or-
2: it was a judicial committee, but he was the only brother in attendance.
0: Oh, my goodness. That is crazy.
2: Yeah. And then another one where she had confessed to fornication. And... This guy had the nerve to bring a dirty dish towel into the room, throw it at her and say, that's what you are. You're a dirty dish rag. Never to be clean again. And she was like, "Uh, they make washing machines. (laughs) (laughs) Good answer. (laughs) And then I discovered that another elder to i guess blackmail another sister into her reinstatement um started sleeping with her and she did it so that she could be reinstated
0: oh my days so that she could talk
2: again yeah Yeah. wow i i have a lot more juice on them but i mean those are the big ones where it's like that blew my mind like these are not godly people these are not jessica's mad i can see her face right now these are not godly people and we're just trusting in them to lead us to paradise and that was when i was like "Mm -mm." never again and i never looked back i never thought for one second losing my parents was worth getting out of it losing everybody i ever know was worth getting out of it. And it took me a while to get, come to that conclusion. Like you do feel very alone, but you make your own family, but mm. it was worth every step of the way to get away from the cult and <laughs> the craziness that happens behind those closed doors in those elders
0: rooms. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I mean, but you know what the typical JW excuse is gonna be, right? this is just human imperfection. (laughs) It's not the fault of the organization. It's not Jehovah's fault. This is just human imperfection. And I really hate that. It's such a cop-out. It's such a a huge excuse. And as an excuse, it doesn't even work. You know, because elders are supposed to be appointed by and led by Holy Spirit. You know, I've, I've, I've heard so many cases of elders who are doing things like you said and even worse at the time that they were appointed as elders (laughs) so did the really that did the holy spirit approve of that did the holy spirit choose them despite all of those things i mean it as an argument it just doesn't make any sense
2: it really doesn't and i started really thinking if that is what jehovah is like i want nothing to do with him And my mom, I remember my mom wrote me a letter before, like, I guess in between the time I left, I don't even remember when she wrote it, but she said, you know, what are you gonna do when you have to face Jehovah? And I remember thinking, I got a lot of questions for that guy. (laughs) (laughs) I need to know some things.
1: (laughs) Oh, my parents took advantage of uh, COVID. To tell me that the end was coming and trying to warn me and all this stuff, and I'm just like, I'm good. <laughs> I,
0: I I don't blame you. I don't blame you at all. So so, where are you with your life now? I mean, would you say, in comparison to your life as a Jehovah's Witness, that you're doing much better or that you're you're happier? What what's what's the difference?
1: Um. Yeah. No. One hundred percent. One hundred. Like, there is absolutely no doubt about it. Um, I didn't even, and it was kind of, it was, I wouldn't say it was an instant, like flip of happiness, like where I was so, so miserable. And then I left and I was suddenly happy. I think I, I think there was a lot of dealing with not just the trauma, but like having the restrictions that I had, um, with women not being able to do anything and, and, you know, them being the lesser and everything. And I remember like my brother, who's younger than me. (sighs) my parents were also a lot more strict than other families in the religion. And it was a very known thing. Like pe- people were kind of afraid of my dad. Um, And he was just like very, 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 like, I don't know if it was the Marine in him or what, but very strict with me, especially I remember being 16 years old, 17 years old, and I wasn't allowed to go to the bathroom by myself. Like I had to wait for my mom. Alyssa, I don't know if you remember, but it was like, it was so embarrassing. and I remember like that specifically, things like that. it I felt like it kind of caused me to like mentally grow slower., um, And so when I left, I feel like I kind of got thrown out into this world that I wasn't prepared for. And I had to, I kind of had to catch up. I felt like I had to catch up with my growth and learning, Um, like how to be an adult in this world because I was 100% by myself. I didn't have anybody else. Everybody had abandoned me when I first left, Um, except for like, you know, the friends that I had at school, like, you know, these aren't my friends. They're just acquaintances. And yet they were the ones who were there for me. Um, But eventually I think that I did. And even though I still live with some of the trauma every single day, and I think I always will, I've learned, um, I've come a long way and i don't think that that would have happened if i was still stuck in that religion i think that i don't know if i would still be here if i was still stuck in that religion if i was if i had stayed home i don't i don't think i would have made it because that was what i needed to get out and to and you know to learn how to handle depression and things like that and now here we are 13 years later and i didn't know my life could be so happy
0: well i'm i'm so pleased to hear that it is and it, it just never, ever ceases to amaze me how many um XJWs express similar sentiments to what you did just now, myself included. I mean, I only left the religion in 2019. Yeah, so a little under two years ago, I, I left the religion and I felt completely unprepared to live life as an adult in the real world. I mean, there are still some days now where I just feel completely like a child, like. Like, I don't know how to function in the world. I feel stunted, like, you know, like my growth was halted, you know, like, like the tree in Daniel that had the, that was cut down and had the bands put around it to stop it from growing. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm that tree. <laughs> so I know, I know exactly what you mean. And it, it's something that so many of us feel. You know, it's really it's really sad. But I'm I'm so pleased to see that you know you're you're making it, you're getting you're getting through it and moving past it. What about you, Alyssa? Where are you in your life now?
2: I'm in a much, much better place. Uh I had to go through the same trauma healing, the same, you know, you're so used to the abuse and you're so used to someone else making the decisions for you. And all of a sudden you're an adult and you have to make the decisions you're on your own and you don't know how to do it because you've been told how to push a watchtower at a door instead of how to pay bills and be an adult. <laughs> it was very shocking at first to get into the real world. And I like to, to mention that It was like being held like a spring, you know, like a a springy thing and you hold it so tight in your hand. And then when it gets let go, it's gonna fly all over the place. And that's exactly what I did. I got into drugs, I got into drinking, I got into partying. I did everything under the sun that I possibly could because I was just, I wanna experience that. I wanna experience that. I wanna go do this, I wanna go do that. I wanna see this, I wanna see that. I was all over the place and without having the proper guidance that I should have had. And, you know, my drug pals were now my new guidance and (laughs) that was not the best path for me. And then I allowed myself to to go through very abusive relationships. Um, My ex-husband was very abusive, verbally, emotionally, physically. And I just thought that was normal. I thought that that's what everyone had to do. And when I got out of that, I went into another abusive relationship with an XJW. Imagine that. And he beat the crap out of me one night and I was like, well, I don't want to go through that. I don't feel like that's right anymore. So, you know, I was going through nursing school. I, I put myself through school and I, I bettered my life. I got an education and I didn't even know the difference between an associate's degree and a, bachelor's degree, which is two years in America, I know you're from the UK, an associate's as you do two years of college, a bachelor's as you do four years in college. Didn't know that. I had no clue how to go through the educational system. So I guided myself through that and I got an education and I bettered myself. And now I'm with my husband who is just the most amazing man and he's so understanding Even though he didn't go through this, he just, he, he doesn't pity me, but he, he just can understand on another level. And I'm so happy and I'm so glad I got away from it. I'm so glad I'm, I'm out and I'm able to be who I am. And without judgment, without anyone telling me that God's going to kill me, Jehovah's going to kill me, big whoop, kill me already then. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I, know, I know exactly how you feel. I know exactly how you feel because, I mean, I decided that I was never going to go back, even before I woke up and realized that it wasn't the truth. But I was just so much happier not being a witness than I was when I was a witness. That I just said, I even prayed to Jehovah one night and told him that, you know, I said, "I'm never coming back because I'm just so much happier." That you know the way my life is now of course it's it's not perfect and there are you know a lot of there's a lot of heartache that goes along with leaving the witnesses because you can't leave completely intact but I said there are things in my life now that bring me so much more happiness than when I was serving you (laughs) you know (laughs) why why would I want to go back and I just said I'm not I said even if at the end of the system you give me another chance yeah, I I would reject it. You know, because if 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 you know if that's what serving Jehovah is is all about, I don't want it. Yeah, so I, I, I totally did, it.
2: I did something similar. I wrote a letter to Jehovah and uh it was pretty much telling him, you know, screw this. If this is what you call your love and your guidance and your mysterious ways, I don't want it. I want nothing to do with it. And then I wrote a letter to my mom and I found her on Facebook of all places. And I wrote a message to her and I was like, you know, I held my funeral for you. And this was, gosh, seven years before my dad died, seven, eight years, somewhere between there. And I told her, I said, you guys are dead to me. I've held my funeral for you. The day that you guys die is going to be sad, but in a totally different way. It's going to be sad because I mourn who you should have been to me and who you should. I mourn the love you should have had. Not you. I don't mourn you. I've already mourned that. But the day that you die, I'm going to mourn what I will no longer be able to have. And that's exactly what happened the day that my dad died, was I I realized that that was it. That was the final, final. No more. No more having him. No no relationship that you're supposed to have with your family where you're supposed to go for holidays and you're, they're supposed to know my children and know my husband. They didn't even, my dad didn't even know my last name when he died because I had been remarried and he didn't know me. He had no idea who I was.
0: Wow, that's terrible. But Yeah, I, I totally get, I totally understand how you feel. Yeah, I mean, um, I have a mother who's um, a JW, and you know, have no contact with her whatsoever, and uh, she's not a young woman, <laughs> you know, I can't imagine that that she has very long left, and she's not in, uh, I mean, I, I don't mean to be morbid, but being realistic, you know, she's in her late 70s, so, you know, that's something I'm going to have to deal with, you know, in the, in the next few years, and um, to be honest, I don't know how I'm going to process all of that or how that's all gonna play out, you know, it's something that crosses my mind quite often. Just well, you're to welcome to call happens.
2: me and help you process it.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> it has been a pleasure speaking to both of you. Thank you so much for being brave enough to to share your stories. And I just wish that you continue, you know, living your best lives and, and being happy.
1: Thank you so much. I was like, super nervous, um, because I've been wanting to share my story for so long. And that's when I messaged you. And I was so grateful when you asked me to (laughs) do this, because it's scary. It's really scary. Um, Especially when, you know, I don't know how people are going to react. You know, my parents, they're in my children's lives. But um, I will say that now that we're now that I feel like I've let it all out, I'm not like shaking anymore.
2: Hit her up in another 10 years and she'll be willing to just spread the whole story because she held a lot back. I know she did. So (laughs) she'll be willing, whoosh, right out like I am. She messaged me. She says, Hey, this guy is going to share my story of being an XJW. I was like, Hey, does he want my story? I'm ready for it. Bring it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm so glad that you both took up the invitation. (laughs) One. (laughs) Final thing, what message would you give to anybody who is still in the religion, but maybe having doubts? What what would you like to say to them? If you could go first, uh, possibly Alyssa.
2: I would tell them just keep going, that these people are not worth it. If they're willing to choose an invisible being, an invisible religion over flesh and blood over friends, over anybody that they claim to love, then they're not worth it. Even if it's your parents, even if it's your sister, even if it's people that were at the hospital when you were born, they're not worth it. And I really hope my mother is sitting there watching this and hearing you were not worth it to me. And I'm so much happier I'm so much happier outside of it. And just keep going. You're gonna get there and you're gonna see what the real truth is.
0: Thank you. And and what about you, Jessica?
1: Um, I would say to do your own research for one thing. Uh, I think that the problem is that we sit at the meetings or we sit and we read the publications that are provided to us and, and Also, get get another Bible, (laughs) the New World Translation. Uh, compare it. Like, find things out for yourself. I think instead of just kind of listening to what they're saying, if you're having doubts, like, do your own research. Find things out. I mean, the internet is massive. (laughs) Like, you can figure things out, and then you'll you'll come to realize like what the truth actually is. Um, and then and also like even if you do believe that Jehovah is here, like I promise you that whatever you're going, like if you're going through things, like if you're suffering, because I've heard from so many ex-Jehovah's Witnesses that the biggest problem was their mental health that was suffering. And I promise you that, you know, if you do believe in God, he doesn't want you to be in a religion, a cult that makes you feel that way, that you need to take care of yourself, that no... Nobody's going to do it for you. They're not going to, Jehovah's witnesses aren't going to do it for you. The elders don't care. You need to take care of yourself. You need to do what makes you happy. And you're not really going to know until you go out and experience it for yourself.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much for that message. Uh, once again, thank you both so much for, you know, agreeing to do this and for sharing your story. You're both incredibly brave, not just for sharing your story, but also for going through what you you've both been through. And coming out the other side of it you know you know not not completely unscathed none of us are but you know you're still fighting and and you're making something of your life so that's to be commended so thank you. thank
1: you thanks
2: for the opportunity i really appreciated it
0: you're most welcome thank you Jessica tears for watching i hope you enjoyed hearing jessica and Alyssa's experiences if you haven't already done so please subscribe to the channel and Please click the like button as well and feel free to share this video with anyone who you think could benefit from it or anyone who you think is interested. So thanks again for watching and I'll see you in the next one. Thank you so much for watching to the very end of the video. If you haven't already done so, please like, leave a comment and subscribe to the channel. If you like my work and want to help me continue doing it, please support me on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash jexit underscore 2020. And with that, I'd like to sincerely thank these very special Patrons who make these videos possible.